looking forward to that. Uh, one announcement is with the picnic, and just to make sure everyone's on the right side of things and understand what's going on. So sign up, bring a side, bring a chair, bring a drink, bring your swimsuit and towel. Now, Lee and Sherry are going to come up, and they've actually created a wrap of these reminders. No, I'm just <laughs> Lee's already got his hat. He's ready to go. But uh, yes, and, and uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. It, the baptisms will actually be right at the beginning of the picnic. So uh, don't goof around too long. Just get over there. We're going to have a wonderful morning together. Um, hey, listen, uh, before we pray, I want you to know yesterday, uh, I was honored to speak at my friend Vince Donnelly's funeral. Um, and that's what I'm wearing. They gave out these uh, little bracelet things. And, and Vince's thing, everybody was his buddy. And he called them buddy because he couldn't remember their names. So you could come up and you could say your name six times like, hey, I'm Len, I'm Len, I'm Len. And he'd go, buddy. You know, that, that's just it. Uh, but I wasn't yo buddy, I was yo coach. That's what he called me. And then the other side of it says forever fishing. And um, I told you, you know, you know his story. Uh, Vince called me during the pandemic and he, he called me up. He said, Eric, I got to talk to you. I'm dying. <laughs> He's a very direct way of how he does things. And I said, uh, Vince, are, are you actively dying right this minute? And he, he said, no, no, no. But he said, I think it's going to happen soon. So I said, all right. Let's meet, because he, he goes, I want you to speak at my funeral. I said, what do you want me to say? He goes, just tell him God's stuff, like the stuff that you've talked to me about. So I met him at a diner. This is years ago. I said, Vince, listen, how about this idea? What if you came to our church and you heard the God stuff? Then we revisit the whole subject, because I said, who knows, Vince? Maybe you'll come to my church not like the God stuff that I say and decide you want someone else to speak at your funeral. And I remember he went, that's a good idea. He said, I actually haven't heard you preach, and I don't know what you say. And I said, okay, so come to church. And you guys all know the story. He started coming out here to Hope. He came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. And at the end of things, he said, Eric, he came to me, he said, remember that God stuff? He goes, this is the stuff I want you to tell people at my funeral. And so I walked into this funeral, and, and Vince and Joanne Anthony, I saw them there. I, you know you're going into a big funeral when you pull up, and I, I had never been to this funeral home, and so I'm following my GPS, and I see up ahead, you know where you're like, hey, a quarter mile on the left-hand side, you know, you see the little logo, and I look ahead, and I see police standing in the street, and lights going, and I went, hmm, what are we into here? And I pulled in, and I'm telling you, it was the biggest funeral I've ever been to in my life. And I pulled in, and, and poor Vince. Vince, are you back there? I, I, I told Vince, I said, Vince, I, do, I did something I never do. We pull in, and Vince ends up actually pulling in right in front of me, and he drops Joanne off. And I don't know, Vince, I don't even know where you ended up parking. You probably were parked in, like, New York City or something like that. They're, they're like, yeah, you just got to go in a neighborhood and find somewhere to park. And I, and I pulled a card I never pull. I went to the guy, I said, I'm the pastor doing the funeral. And the guy goes, oh, you're the pastor? It just parked next to the hearse. So I just pull over here. And all these other people are like, well, can, can I? You know, thank you. Um, but they literally had to get me into the funeral home because it was so jammed. And when I got in the room, this place, the woman says, listen, she's talking real loud because it was so, she goes, I'm going to lead you to a back room. 
so we can talk. We get to this back room, and there's a guy with bagpipes. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, what am I into? But I'm going to tell you guys that it's like, you know how people say, like, hey, I think that God puts me in certain moments. And, that, and I felt like God said, Eric, this is right where I want you. Because there was a lot of people from our community that knew Vince, but did not realize that Vince and I had this relationship. So as I'm wa- wading through this crowd, I hear people going, that's Eric Segul. Why is he here? Did he know Vince? What is he doing? And I'm telling you, I walk up front, and there's people like, he's speaking here? But guys, I'm just telling you, like, I just let the gospel fly. And um, when I met with the family, I said to him, I said, listen, I'm gonna, I, I'll make sure my remarks are very brief. And his brother went, no, no, no. He goes, no brief remarks. He said, um, Vince, one of the last things he said is, make sure Eric speaks at my funeral and tell him to say his God stuff. So he said, whatever you want to say, he goes, I don't care if it's 50 minutes long. He said, say it. Because he said, that's what my brother wanted. And we're doing what he wants. And so I was blessed to be a part of it. And uh, talked to a lot of people afterwards. And so, um, you know, I, I, the only regret I have on the whole thing is I think, what would have happened if Vince would have come to know the Lord 10 years ago? because he was a very infectious guy. I remember him coming over to my house one time fixing a plumbing problem when he was wearing his oxygen, and I kept telling jokes, and he was laughing so hard that he said, Eric, I can't be on oxygen and laughing like this. He goes, I'm going to die. I said, Vince, if you die in my bathtub, I'm not speaking in your, at your funeral. He goes, you got to stop it, coach. You're killing me. But I will miss that guy. So let, let's pray. And Father in heaven, thank you for this day, and thank you for... Uh, Thank you for my relationship with my buddy Vince. And Lord, thank you most of all that uh, a jam-packed funeral where there were people literally standing next to me as I was speaking, Lord, got to hear the gospel. And Lord, I just pray for seeds to be planted. Not that people would say, oh, remember that. I don't want them to remember anything about me, but I want them to know you, uh, Lord, because I really believe in my heart that Vince... Uh, knew you and he was just starting to grow in that relationship but I think he really wanted these people his yo buddies to know and so Lord we just pray for these people who maybe had some seeds sown yesterday Lord and I pray that maybe today they woke up and went somewhere and it's getting watered so God we thank you for this day and as we open up your word Lord may you be glorified Lord may your words just pour like a salve on our wounded souls, Lord. May your words refresh us, Lord. If our minds are troubled, Lord, ease them. If our hearts are burdened, Lord, I pray you would calm them. If we are anxious or wound up or concerned about many things, Lord, I pray that we would put them to the side and focus on you and that we would have a powerful encounter with you this morning. Lord, we love you. We need you. Lord, I need you to make it through the day. Lord, I need a Savior. And so, God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gang, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 9. 
Somebody asked me, they said, Eric, where, where are we going? We finished up the book of, of, of Mark. In the fall, in September, we're going to start a series called Tips. And it's almost like, you know, how you tip your waiter or waitress. We're going to talk about practical Christian living tips in September. Then in October, we're going to go into the book of Ephesians. And I think that there's some great learning. But today, we are going to look at a famous passage in John chapter 9. It's Jesus healing the blind man. And I think that many people have heard it, but today I want you to hear it differently. I want you to see it differently, and maybe we can apply some of these things to our lives. The title of my sermon is called Lean on the Lord. You know, uh, you think about it when your kids are with you and that, and they're tired, what do they do? They lean on you. Um, when my dog wants to get fed and I'm sitting watching TV, he leans on me. 95 pounds and just leans on me and stares at me with these eyes that are almost evil. Lean on the Lord. Let's look at John chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 1. Our three for the road, number one, is look, look for purpose rather than cause. Look for purpose rather than cause. Let's look at John chapter 9 verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is poor theology of God. See, what they believed back then, many of the Jews believed that if someone, uh, if a parent sinned, that they would, God would punish the child. That some Jews even believe that a baby could sin in the womb. Now, let me tell you why this is really, really bad theology. If this was true, if God would punish us, and punish future generations because of our sin, we would have no children. We would have nothing. Because who is worthy? None. The rich young ruler says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? None is good but God alone. Do you understand what he is saying? It says here, verse 2, so they asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, said, This man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, understand this. Do I believe that the parents of this blind man had sinned? Yes, I believe what Jesus is saying is that the reason he is blind is not because of sin. What's the reason he's blind? So that the power of God could be revealed in his life. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus says, listen, our opportunity, I loved yesterday the opportunity to share the gospel. I loved the opportunity that there were many people in the room who I could tell had not heard this before, or at least that way. But guys, understand that your window to share the gospel is closing. Why? Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to share the gospel anymore. In other words, when I'm walking around in heaven and I bump into Rob, I say, Rob, I want to tell you about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think Rob's going to go, dude, I know that one. We're here. Right? But we have this opportunity to share it right now. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, this is one of those kind of humorous things because you go, all right, Jesus, 
Why in the world this way? I listened to a guy talking about the miracles of Jesus and he said, do you ever notice that all the miracles of Jesus are slightly different how he does things? And he said, I believe there's a reason why. And I actually thought this guy came on to something pretty sharp. He said, Jesus never did miracles in a pattern or else people would try and copy the pattern. So how many people have gone to a church service and they bring someone up who needs healing and they pray over them? Absolutely. How many people have gone to a church service where somebody needs healing and they brought them up and they spit, made mud, and put it on them? Nobody. Right? But my point is, is I think that Jesus comes at a different direction because I think he wants people to know, hey, listen, it's not your hands are up, your hands are down, you're on your waist, one foot in, one foot out, put some mud on, put, take some mud off. No, it's the power of God. So here's this blind guy. The next thing he knows, he hears spitting, he hears all sorts of, and then something warm and slimy is wiped all over his face. Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Again, some people were healed instantly on the spot. Other people, Jesus says to go and do this. The lepers came to him and said, please heal us. Jesus said, go on your way, show yourself to the priests that you've been cleansed. They got cleansed as they went. Lazarus, Jesus said, arise, come out. And he came out immediately. He didn't say, arise and come out, come back in about two hours and he'll be out. No, he came out immediately. So he says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. People look into that and say, well, Jesus was sent and this is part of why he used that pool. I don't know. So he went and washed and he came back seen. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen he who was blind said, it is not he, is it not he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, it, it, he is like him, but he is not he. He comes back and says, yes, it is me. They can't put it in the place. It's like I remember when I was a little kid, I was at a food store with my mom, and I ran into my third grade teacher in the supermarket. And my mom said, Eric, that's Mrs. Fritz, your, your teacher from school. And I went, no, it's not. And she said, yes, it is. I said, what is she doing? She said, she's food shopping. And I said, Mrs. Fritz doesn't food shop. She's a teacher. <laughs> Why couldn't I recognize her? Because it was out of place. And so they see this guy and they go, is, you, is that? No. Is that him? Yes, it is me. Some said no. This is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus. I don't think he even realizes who Jesus is. A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And the guy said, I don't know. Let's make this hit home. First off, here's something to remember. People hear this and they go, gosh, this is kind of a weird miracle. I think Jesus, if he was standing here, he'd go, really? Anyone read Genesis? Look at Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God's good with dirt. But let's hit home and let's look at this. We need to look for purpose rather than cause. Here's something that I rack my brain over. Why is a dangerous black hole that can sink us into mental and emotional despair? How many of you wrestle or have lost sleep 
or have lost the ability to eat because you're so wound up trying to figure out why something happened. And no matter how you spin it, it's almost like a tornado. And you think, all right, I'm going to figure out why this happened. Go ahead, jump into the tornado. What's going to happen? You're flying all over the place. Why? Because that's what why does. And when we live trying to think, all right, what caused this to happen? Why did this happen? Satan goes, great, try and figure it out. And it just spins and spins and spins and spins. I'm trying to rewire my brain. I'm trying to look for purpose when I encounter trials rather than figure out what caused them. What is the purpose? What is God trying to teach me? I can't figure out the cause. I can't figure out the why. If you get too busy trying to find the cause, you will neglect the purpose. See, a lot of us can never grow because God's going... I have a purpose for this. I have a purpose. God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? What caused this? And Jesus is going, oh, I'm over here. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. But Jesus, this really, really hurt. I know, but there's a purpose. There's a purpose. What is my purpose in all of this? I was reading this week, and this is a tremendous quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, when you see a man in sorrow and trouble... The way to look at it is not to blame him and inquire how he came there, but to say, here is an opening for God's almighty love. Here is an occasion for the display of grace and goodness of the Lord. Do you notice how Spurgeon says, I don't know the why and I can't figure out why this happened or what caused it. However, this is an opening for God's almighty love. This is an opportunity to display grace and goodness of God. I love movies, and I remember watching that Apollo 13 movie with Tom Hanks, and it looks like that this, this space uh, vehicle is going to like run out of oxygen. It's going to blow up just outside the moon, and we're going to lose these astronauts. And this one guy in the engineering room goes, this is going to be the biggest disaster in the history of NASA. And this other guy stands up and he goes, I beg to differ. This will be our finest moment. This will be our finest moment. And it changes the whole attitude of everything. But I'm going to tell you that you can never figure out God's purpose if you're just so wound up over here. And you're going to see where this gets figured out with these guys. Let's look at three for the road number two. Everyone wants Jesus. Some just don't realize it. You ever realize that? There's not a human being on the face of the planet that doesn't want Jesus Christ. They just don't know it. When Pam and I were dating, she was in love with me. She just didn't know it. Let's look at verse 13. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now this guy's got to be thinking, wait, what am I doing here? Why this? Like if you've been blind your whole life, the first thing I want to do is like run around or do things or see things. And they go, well, you know, the, the pastors would like a word with you. Okay. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay in my eyes and I washed and I see. 
<laughs> he leaves out the spit part. I don't know why he did that, but maybe he felt disgusted. Verse 16, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Now let me tell you where they're going with this. It's not wrong that Jesus healed this blind man on the Sabbath, but he broke one of their rules. Do you know that there is a rule in the Jewish law that said you are not allowed to knead on the Sabbath. Now kneading could be several forms. Kneading to make bread. Kneading and cooking. But the other thing that they would need is when they would make mud, particularly to make bricks to build. And so this guy comes in and he says, you know, hey, I've been healed. Well, how did it happen? Well, this guy Jesus healed me. Well, what did he do? Well, he made mud. And as soon as they say that, these guys, they shut down. He broke the Sabbath. You're not allowed to make mud on the Sabbath. And the guy goes on and says, well, he made mud. I washed, my, washed in the pool, and now I see. But no one can get to the now I see because they're going, he broke the rule here. This man cannot be from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Because some of them can't get past the mud. Others of them go, okay, if we put the whole mud thing aside, isn't this something else? Isn't this pretty amazing? It's like people who say, well, you know what? I don't believe in God because look at all the things that are going on in our world and you see all these different things like that. And these are the same people that on social media will post these just absolutely angelic pictures of the universe and go, isn't this amazing? And I'm like, well, doesn't that kind of point towards someone designing it? Well, no, because there's abuse in this world. Well, I understand that, but what about this? And these guys are in the same way. They can't, they want to figure out the why and the cause, and they can't get past that this guy is now seen. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He says, well, he's a prophet. I mean, this guy's saying, hey, listen, guys, i got to be honest. I've been hanging around you guys my whole life. You don't even know who I am. You don't even call me by name. You're former blind man. I met this guy, and now I see. Well, what do you think he is? Well, he's got to be a prophet or some kind of in with God, don't you think? But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him who had received sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? Now, guys, who lies about this, right? How then does he see? And his parents said, we know that he's our son and we know that he was born blind. But by the means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. Now i got to be honest with you. I understand that the parents are fearful of the Pharisees and they're fearful of being thrown out of the synagogue. And I understand in that culture that's a real fear. But I want to ask anyone in here who is a parent, if your child had a, that kind of a situation going on in their life and God miraculously healed them, would you be excited? 
I don't care what people say. I don't care what, and they're so terrified. And this is one of the fears of like, listen, I, I have friends who grew up in such strict religious situations, they're terrified about everything because they've just been stricken with this terror. And so these people are going, well, I don't, I don't, well, yeah, he was blind. Well, are you excited he can see? Well, but we don't know. We don't, we don't want to ask him. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to get involved. So, therefore, his parents said he is of age. Uh, it says his parents said these things, verse 22, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Which, now, here's the problem about being put out of the synagogue. You get put out of the synagogue, you're kind of like a black sheep in the situation. Which means that people in the synagogue will not do business with you. They won't buy from you. They won't sell to you. You are excommunicated in the situation. Everyone turns their back. So, if Stacy's thrown out of the synagogue and Stacy comes into my store and she says, I'd like to, I'm sorry, Stacy, you can't purchase here. Well, what about Stacy? No. And so it's a real concern right here. These are men who are out of control with power. So, therefore, his parents said, He is of age. So again, they called the man who was blind. And they said to him, This is the dumbest line in the Bible Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. The dumbest verse in the whole Bible. Who gives glory about finding out sin? Like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting down? Can you imagine Mike and I are having breakfast? And I go, Mike, praise the Lord. If I got a praise, I just figured out you are a sinful person. I am so relieved. You're a real mess. Woo! Everyone give me an amen! Right? That's what these guys are rejoicing about. And the guy who's been healed is going, I'm sorry, what? Says to him, uh, give, God, give glory to God. Give God the glory. We know that this man's a sinner. So that's the dumbest verse. Here's the greatest verse. And he answered and said to him, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, what? Now I see. He says, listen, I can't get into all this philosophy, theology, all these different things. Let me tell you what's happened with my life. Do you know the most powerful thing you have to share with the world is your life? A transformed life is really, really powerful. Because people go, hey, you know what? I knew this dude and he was this way and all of a sudden this happened and I don't, can't explain it. And people go, well, I think he started reading the Bible. Your life might be the only Bible somebody ever reads. And so you got to live it out. And this guy says, all right, guys, listen. I don't know the Torah like you know. I don't know all the rules. I don't even understand half the stuff you guys say. But here's what I'll tell you. This morning I woke up and I was blind. I ran, met a guy named Jesus, and now I see. So that's all I can tell you. I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So we have the dumbest line in the Bible, the best line in the Bible, now we have the funniest line in the Bible, right? 
I don't know, listen, you know how like when you get a text message or something, you can't tell sometimes if somebody's being sarcastic or something like that. Um, You know, I don't know what his tone is with this verse, but dude, this is good. So he answered and he said, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you you also want to become one of his disciples? Can you imagine that line? They're all sitting there and they're like, praise God, we know this man's a sinner and this guy's going, listen, I was blind, now I see. They question him and all of a sudden he goes, oh, wait a minute, I get it. You're asking all these questions because, like me, you want to become a disciple too. We're on the same team. High five. And these guys are going, we are not high fiving. And I guarantee that if anyone else is in the presence of hearing this, they're going, oh boy. You know, like when your brother or sister, when you're a kid, says that one line that you know is going to trigger your parents beyond belief, right? In my house with my father, I gotta tell you, like my dad, he was a very calm guy, but he also was a very serious wrestler when he was younger, and he had no problems about, even when we were young teenagers, about tumbling with us if you felt like we needed to tumble. And I'll tell you what, don't ever raise your voice to my mom. And I remember one time one of my brothers said, like, shut up or something, my mom. And I'm telling you, I thought, a, I thought an atomic bomb was going to go off in our house, right? I think this guy didn't realize it, but he just t- pulled the pin on a grenade. And these guys go ballistic. We know that God spoke, it says to him, they reviled him. You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And that's a lie because they knew where he was from and they knew he was in the lineage of David. What they're fearful of is the scriptures were right. That's what they're fearful of. Guys, do you remember in, uh, it's in Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about trouble that the disciples are going to go through. And listen to this verse. He says, now when they bring you to the synagogues and to the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So we have the dumbest line, the best line, the funniest line. Now we have the most powerful verse. And the man answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Read between the lines. You know what he just said? Wait a minute. You guys are the spiritual pulse of our community. You guys are the one who have the inside connection with God and suddenly somebody just walked into town that seems to have a much better connection than you and you didn't see it coming. So he says to him, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from yet he has opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners 
But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the, begin, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who has been born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. All of a sudden, our blind, rumbling, stumbling man has turned into a powerful speaker. And where does that all come from? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And don't worry, I'll give you the words to say. But I'm intimidated. I'm not as educated as them. Don't worry, I'll give you the words to say. Just open your mouth and I'll talk. They answered and said to him, you are completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Let's make this hit home. Everyone wants Jesus, they just don't realize it. I really believe that. And guys, here's one of the things that I think we need to figure out and struggle with every single day in our faith. Anybody ever on like vacation or something like that with your family do like one of those giant puzzles? I don't know why we do these things. We just kill ourselves. And you're trying to, and every now and then, you'll be, you'll see a piece and you're going, I know this goes, I know, why? goes here. And you just keep trying to get the piece in the wrong spot. And you keep thinking, this is a defective puzzle. And then all of a sudden, someone else walks by and goes, that doesn't go here. It goes right here. And they click it in. You're like, leave me alone. Right? Guys, we have to figure out how to present the gospel to people in a way that breaks through the stereotypes or the poor images that they have ingrained in them. Because they really do. People have a poor image of God. Some of it's from man. But guess what? We always underestimate. What does Jesus call Satan? The great what? Deceiver. What does this deceiver do? They trick people. That's what he does. So, what does he take Jesus' name? What has Satan done with Jesus' name? It's a curse word, right? What did he do with the name of God? God, and we follow it up with a curse word. He's made it a curse word. The other day, Pam and I were at a soccer scrimmage with Chase's school. They're playing a scrimmage at Moravian. Moravian was founded by the Moravian Church. It was originally a seminary. At the end of the game, Karen always says to the other team, hey, we're going to gather with prayer. If anyone would like to pray with us from the other team, you can come with us and pray. And I've seen some teams go, no, thank you, and they'll walk away. But Chase said, Dad, something different happened. He goes, we literally, I went to yell, hey, if anyone would like to pray. And the captain from Moravian walked over and said, hey, are you guys going to pray? We'd like to pray with you guys. So he said, we all huddle up. And they pray in the middle of this field. Pam and I are sitting there, and, and I'm thinking, you know what, this is really cool. And there's all these sports going on on campus, and out come all these girls, they're volleyball players, and they've all got all of their volleyball, and they, these girls are intimidatingly tall. But the point of it is, very tall, he's, but the one girl stops and she says, what are they doing? And another guy says, I, it looks like they're praying. And she goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they're just praying. Why are they praying? 
And another girl says, well, I don't think it's mandatory. They just ask if people want to pray, and they pray. And she goes, that is so dumb. We should not be praying. I'm sitting there, and guys, I'm going to tell you, I really fight not to get into it with tall volleyball girls. But part of me wanted to say, you do know that you attend a school that used to be a seminary, right? But I don't. And then she says this line. The guy goes, oh, yeah, there's other schools that we play that pray. And she goes, oh, what's that one? What's that one? Lancaster Bible. She goes, you know, they pray there too. And I'm thinking, okay, Bible in the name. And then another player goes, oh, yeah, and whenever we play Messiah. And the girl says, Messiah's a Christian school? And at this point, I'm going, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But I'm thinking, we are absolutely God illiterate as a country. You know how people are going, well, we're the last Christian country in the world. I'm going, are you kidding me? We don't even know what Messiah means. Messiah, Messiah. We don't even realize that anyone would go, does that sound like a God thing or something like that? I mean, thank goodness they put together Lancaster Bible College and realized that it was... Okay, so the point is, is we have to figure out how to wage war through these stereotypes. And we have to figure out how to make a puzzle piece that somebody's going, it won't fit, it won't fit, it won't fit, it goes here. And turn that just a little bit. Our world is dying and striving for purpose, peace, direction, forgiveness, and love. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And God's saying, it's here, it's here, it's here. I have it. I want to give it. The church is the greatest thing God has given our world, and yet some people think it's a waste of time. The church is the greatest thing to raise your family in, but people are going, but we do sports, or we do this, or we do that. We have something better. We go to the shore every weekend, and I'm not saying not to go to the shore, but I'm thinking, because you're thinking that that's going to fix the puzzle piece, and God's going, I made the puzzle, I will put the puzzle together, come to me. Can we present Jesus to the world in a way that breaks the evil one's stereotypes? So let's finish this up. Number three for the road, lean on the Lord. So here's this guy who I would think this was starting off as a really good day. It's gotten a little bit weird. How many of you walk out the door and think you're in for a really good day and then I don't know what happened, but things just get weird. Well, things have gotten weird. So, Jesus heard that they had cast them out, and he went and found them. And he said, do you believe in the Son of God? Guys, I just always think that Jesus, by wandering through the streets, comes up to this guy and goes, hey man, how you doing? And I wonder if Jesus, right, I wonder if the guy right away recognized his voice. Maybe the guy's had so many people yelling at him, he's like, man, my life was a little bit better when I was blind. Jesus comes to him, how you doing? Oh, I don't know, I... I just got excommunicated from the society here by the Pharisees, and everybody's mad at me. Jesus said, why are they mad at you? Well, because I'm no longer blind, evidently. Everyone's upset. Everyone's mad. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of God? In other words, do you believe in the Christ? Do you believe that a Messiah that was talked about in the Old Testament, do you believe that? Do you believe that you need a Savior? Guys, that's a big question, right? If you don't think you're a sinner, then why do you need Jesus at all? Do you need this? Do you believe? 
The man says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So I think he's starting to get an idea, like, I recognize that voice. And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Every now and then, Jesus goes a little Yoda when he talks. And the guy's going, okay, I've seen him, and it's the guy who's, that's you. Yeah, very good. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. For judgment I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. You know what? From a teacher's standpoint, I can deal with people who say, I don't understand. Will you help me with this? I'll deal with that all day long. As a teacher, as a coach, I'll deal with that all day long. When I would be coaching in games and things would get really intensive and these kids would get older and we would sub a kid out and a kid would come up and he would say, listen, can we pull out that board again? I'm I am struggling where I am supposed to be in this formation. Okay, that's all right. Let's talk about this. Here's where you are. Here's where this moves. When the ball's here, here's where you need. Okay, okay, that's great. And this guy says, listen, I want to understand. I want to get this down. I want to figure this out. What the problem is, is the Pharisees go, we don't need a Savior. We don't need to figure it out. And we don't need to hear from you. And so Jesus goes, go ahead, stumble around being blind. I'm not going to waste time on people who don't want me. I'll go where I'm wanted. Then some of the Pharisees and those who were with him heard these words, and they said, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. In other words, you don't think you need me. And I've heard a lot of people say, Hey, Eric, you know what? I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm not a sinner. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the great deceptions from Satan. When you admit you're not perfect, but you're not a sinner. I said to him, a friend of mine said to me, I said, have you ever lied? He goes, Eric, everyone's lied. I said, so you're a liar. And he got offended. He goes, I am not a liar. Did you ever cheat? Oh, I've cheated. So you're a cheater. So you're a liar and a cheater. And I could tell, he's pushing back and he goes, I am not a sinner. So if you're not a sinner, Jesus makes no sense. 